Hello and welcome to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. It is a new year and we are kicking things off with a three-week series called Come Holy Spirit. In this episode, you'll hear Nicola's talk from the Sunday morning service as she started us off with an encouragement to be bold in calling on God's power to heal. Enjoy. Rivers of living water. This is Jesus speaking, so pin your ears back. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You, whoever, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That's what the Lord brought to my mind this morning as we just begin to worship together. And I wanted to, to, uh, as as John said, begin this kind of three weeks series about Come Holy Spirit. And I'm going to start with a story. Um, I'm married to David, as you may have um, picked up if you're new today, and he's over at our other um, community in Marley Hill this morning, um, preaching and, and spending some time with them. But a few years ago, he got to go on a trip to Ukraine, and he went with a group, uh, I think it was a group of guys actually from Hull Vineyard, and they went and they did some teaching and some ministry at the um, National Leaders Conference of the vineyard churches in Ukraine. And um, he came home just full of stories. Uh, As you can imagine, it was quite incredible. And even then, the political backdrop was playing quite a role in the discussions that these leaders were needing to have together. He met some amazing people, experienced the power of God in some incredible ways. And the focus of that conference in that time was come Holy Spirit. And he says, you know, God was so kind. He saw all sorts of incredible things. But towards the end of the trip, he had the privilege of praying for this young woman. And she had um, scoliosis, that kind of curvature of the spine. And life had become pretty difficult. And so they prayed their best prayers over her. And they watched before their very eyes her spine straighten and her be able to stand straight and tall. She was healed. And he's like, it was just amazing to watch God do this. Amazing to see the healing, but incredible to see now the potential that her life is transformed. She's no longer in pain. She's no longer bent over. And over the years, we have seen many people healed. Legs grow, back pain go, bleeding stop, cancers shrink, depression lift, all kinds of things. And another incredible moment, um, about 11 years ago, we had an email from a lovely um, couple who lived over in the northwest, and they're expecting a baby. And um, the baby was developing with some heart, serious heart um, defects. And so they were told that you need to deliver the baby at the RVI so the baby can really quickly be transferred to the Freeman Hospital for the, you know, the heart unit up there. So they got in touch to see if maybe they could just sort of be part of the church while they were in Newcastle. Oh, yes, you can. So we welcomed them in and, and loved them and walked with them through quite um, a season. And the baby was born. And over the next few weeks, there was like this battle, really, to keep the baby alive. And operations began. And the doctors were amazing. And the parents just prayed and prayed. They um, literally marched around this baby's cot, blew trumpets, 
commanded blessing, brought, you know, they just prayed anything they could think of to see the kingdom come. And then one Friday night, we were at home, it was late in the evening, and we got a call from them saying, hey, can you come and babies, uh, can you come and baptize her? And um, we said, well, yeah, sure, kind of get the diary out. And, and, and they were like, no, you need to come, you need to come now, because the half of the heart that was there now was not working, and it was just them keeping her alive. And so they've been told, like, that's the night you need to prepare yourself, do whatever you need and you want to do. And so we, uh, hearts just don't start again when they're like this, apparently. And so Dave and I, not really knowing what to do, never been in this situation before, we headed to the Freeman um, to baptize this beautiful baby. And after doing the best we could, um, desperate prayers, we read this scripture, Matthew 19, and David, I'll never forget it, he laid his hand on her and he said, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now live. And we went away, uh, deeply moved and desperate for Jesus to do something for this family. Well, the heart did start again. The doctors were amazed, and they couldn't believe what had happened. And before long, she was moved out of the ICU. And yes, the road has been long, but just uh, before the Christmas holidays started, we were with her. She was visiting the Northeast. She's 11, and we were literally chasing her around this house, playing a game with her. She's at school, and she's doing well. And she's got some battles ahead, but God in that moment, Jesus healed her. (laughs) The closest thing to seeing someone raised from the dead that I've ever seen in my life so far. And I I fell in love with the vineyard movement for many reasons. Uh, The worship, love to worship. Wasn't that fantastic this morning? Just to be in God's presence, singing his praises. Compassion. We love, fell in love when we saw how compassion was acted out, was brought in in real uh, human form through God to different communities. Faithful Bible teaching. But it was the expectation of the Holy Spirit moving that really caught Dave and I's heart. And we did fall in love obviously, first of all, with Jesus. But then when we encountered the vineyard, we were like, this is home. This is where we want to be. And we'd been married for about three years when we first connected um, with the vineyard. All through that time, we'd been searching. Early in our married life, we read the book of Acts together. And we asked ourselves the question, like, why are we seeing this stuff like this? Why don't we see this today? And so we went looking. And um, we wanted to be somewhere we, where we saw and expected the sick to be healed, demons to be sent packing, prophetic to be embraced, and the poor to be cared for, and the lost to be saved. And Christmas 2001, we were down in Nottingham visiting my parents, and they'd started to go into this church called Trent Vineyard. Never heard of the vineyard before. Uh, and in this church, we saw just that. We saw the book of Acts as near as you could this side of heaven. We saw it being lived out in so many ways. And over the next few months, we were living in Newcastle, but we were praying, where do you want us to be? Should we be moving down to um, Nottingham? And God's answer soon came that that was a, a yes, a green light. And so we started this adventure. And I want to recommend, so at the start of this new year, 
We really want to be looking to uh, just explore Come Holy Spirit. And there's a book, I can't quite remember when we first came across it, but it's called Quest for the Radical Middle, A History of the Vineyard. Um, and it, it's about like the cry of the pioneers. There should be a picture of the front cover. Um, the, the pioneers of the vineyard movement were the same as ours, so it turned out. Why don't we see this stuff happening today? And from that cry, the vineyard was born. And many of you will know, or maybe heard of John and Carol Wimber. They were the founders of the movement. And in the beginning, they were a little bit kind of unsure about the Holy Spirit. Um, not too keen on the Holy Spirit moving in power in their meetings at the start. But after many encounters with God, John felt um, prompted to start teaching every week on healing and praying for the sick. For six months, maybe even longer, John taught and they prayed. And you know what happened? <laughs> Not one person was healed. It was a bumpy ride. And this is written by Carol Wimber. It says this. Whenever anyone asked John about the vineyard and how it all began, he always used to tell the story about the vision of the honeycomb. It meant so much to us, and it's interesting that every few years, a vineyard leader will have the same vision without knowing about John's all those years ago. In the first year of the church, John had been woken up one morning by a phone call from a desperate husband of a very sick lady. When he got to the house, the woman's face was so red, and she was sweating so much that John groaned inwardly. Oh no, this looks like a hard one. Muttering a faithless prayer, John quickly turned to the husband to explain why some people don't get healed. But before he could finish, you've ever been there? I've been there, it's not great. But anyway, um, turned to the husband, and the husband was grinning from ear to ear. His wife had got up looking like a different person. She even offered them some coffee. John drove away ecstatic, yelling at the top of his lungs, we got one, it really works, and celebrating the fact that John, sorry, that God had used him as a vehicle of his healing. At that moment, in his mind's eye, he saw a sky, saw in the sky a huge honeycomb dripping honey out onto people below it. Some were joyfully weeping, tasting it, even sharing it. Others were irritated, wiping the honey off themselves, complaining about the mess. It's my mercy, John, he felt the Lord say. For some it's a blessing, but for others it's a hindrance. There's plenty for everyone. In a nutshell, that's what the vineyard was founded on. The kingdom reality that there's plenty for everyone, plenty of mercy for sinners, plenty of healing for the broken, plenty of love for the outcast, plenty for everyone. And when I think about that Ukrainian lady and think about that baby, on both occasions were filled with the love of God and the mercy of Jesus, washed over both of them, but all of those connected, all of those around them. So at the start of 2023, I want us to remember the call that Jesus gave us here in the vineyard. You see this picture of the honeycomb. Yes, it was given to John Wimber by the Holy Spirit all these years ago. But that is our inheritance in the vineyard, part of our story today. Jesus has made us to be a people of great love who can release, be vehicles of the mercy and compassion of Jesus in our gatherings and across the region. Love, mercy, compassion, 
are the why, are what is behind the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus performs and continues to perform. So today we're going to unpack this a little bit more and think about what that might mean for us this year as we go forward. So I'm just going to pray for us. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that your spirit is among us. Thank you for the ways that we have seen you at work in the past. And thank you that we will see you. We do see you at work now. Lord, would you open our eyes this morning that rivers of living water would come. Fall afresh, Holy Spirit. Just awaken us this morning, I pray. with expectation to be those vehicles. Lord, let us be those people that usher in your kingdom everywhere we are, everywhere we go. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. We once heard a fantastic talk on the raising of Lazarus from the dead. I don't know if you know the story. But the man who was um, giving this talk um, wasn't just focusing on that amazing miracle of resurrection, but on two words. The two words that Jesus says in the middle of this, well, the two words that are written in the middle of this story is, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. John 11 This is the story. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Isn't that amazing? Like here we have Jesus, the Messiah, God incarnate, weeping with the family and friends of Lazarus. So much that even the Jews are commenting, wow, look how much he cares. Look how much he loves. Jesus wept. Why are these words too important? 
these two words important even? <laughs> it's a window into the love and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. Here we got the Son of God who ultimately is going to judge all humanity, who will defeat death, who will defeat evil, weeping over one man, one family's loss. And Lazarus is going to stand before Jesus like the rest of us, but Jesus is weeping for him. Doesn't that phrase, Jesus wept, give us this insight into that very, very personal love, that compassion and that mercy of Jesus. Jesus saw Lazarus, saw his friends, he felt their pain, he felt his sorrow, and he was moved. His love for them all overflowed and he acted, he brought life, he healed, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Like this is, this is a, such an emotional moment. A very personal moment, and yet theologically, a such an important moment. Just hold that thought, that, that mercy, that care of Jesus. And I want to tell you another story. Let's take a moment to look at a very different but relevant story. This is when the Pharisees are asking Jesus for a miracle. Matthew 16 says this, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus wanting to trick him, so they asked him to show them a miracle. Jesus answered, at sunset, you say we will have good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, you say that it will be rainy day because the sky is dark and red. You see these signs in the sky and know what they mean. In the same way, you see the things that I'm doing now, but you don't know their meaning. Evil and sinful people ask for a miracle as a sign, but they will not be given any sign except the sign of Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. So here you've got this group of religious people looking for a party trick. Maybe they want Jesus to heal. Maybe they want some more water turned into wine. We don't know. But Jesus rebukes them and basically tells them that the only sign that they will get is his death and his resurrection, that sign of Jonah. Why is, why is it? And what can we learn from these attitudes to signs and wonders and miracles as we go into 23? It kind of comes back to the why. Why would we pray for freedom? Why would we pray for healing? Why would we want to give any sort of prophetic work from the Holy Spirit to someone in front of us, to be a vessel of God, that vehicle in any situation? Is it for some kind of evidence or show or from a deep sense of love and compassion. A deep and desperate desire to release the mercy of Jesus over people's lives. I think it's the latter. That's what we want. But we need to be aware of that attitude that can sneak in to any one of us. I want to tell you about a lady in Nottingham. When we lived in Nottingham for a season, we lived over the road from an elderly Polish lady called Maria, okay? She was simply amazing. She'd been a Christian her whole life and had been detained with her family in the gulag in those awful forced labor camps, notorious forced labor camps. And um, while she was there, her and her family refused to renounce Jesus. They were told, like, you're not going to have any... Uh, food, we're going to cut your food uh, unless you renounce Jesus. They would not. And the, the guards would give them like one spoon of flour for the whole family. Like this woman, honestly, to hear her story and to just live opposite her was amazing. Anyway, 
she, um, they survived, the family survived, again, through amazing miracles and God's provision. But Maria was known for praying and seeing God do amazing things, including healings. And she told us a story one day. She'd been in a hospital. Um, she was visiting someone, I think, praying for someone, when uh, this man got wheeled into A&E and he'd been in a motorbike crash. And she sort of said nothing was in the right place. <laughs> absolutely nothing. He was absolutely uh, smashed up, really. And um, she saw this man, and out of compassion and desperation, all she could do was to shout, Jesus, put him back together. That was her, her reaction to this moment that she saw in front of her. And a few months later, she got a knock on her front door, and it was this man. And he had been put back together. He was walking, and he was fine. But Maria cried out for mercy. She cried out for this man who was in a terrible state. And God moved. His spirit came. God acted. What moves God to act? Over the years, some Christian leaders have tried, I think, to bring a formula to signs and wonders and miracles of God. And it's impossible. It's dangerous, probably, because God is sovereign and we can never understand his ways. But we can understand his heart by looking at Jesus, by understanding and knowing Jesus' heart. We can align our hearts and lives to his we can be transformed inwardly every day to know the ways of Jesus and to react like Maria in that moment. There's a fantastic uh, verse in 1 John 2, 6. It says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. I want to walk like Jesus towards families who are suffering, like Lazarus's family. Philippians 2, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. So over and over, I'm going to come into land soon, but over and over we read that Jesus was moved with compassion. In Lazarus' story we see Jesus weeping. It's impossible to escape that really personal emotional response of Jesus to the people that he met and ministered to. He really cared. He really loved. He had deep compassion. And so he released mercy over people's lives. It was no act. It was no performance. It was pure love that led Jesus to heal the sick, cast out demons, and ultimately to die so that we could all receive the grace and mercy of God through salvation. It's such an important thing to understand, isn't it, that God is very personal, if you're here this morning, maybe, and you don't know that or you've never experienced that, God is personal. He loves and he's moved to mercy, especially when it comes to releasing those signs and wonders and miracles that he has for each of us here and especially those who are not here. In the vineyard, we love to pray, come Holy Spirit. It's a great prayer. It's a kind of catch-all prayer. <laughs> God, would you come? When we say come, Holy Spirit, we mean would you come, would you meet people? Would you come, would you bring freedom? Would you come, would you bring healing? Would you come, would you bring your comfort? Come, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring your vision? Would you come and bring conviction? Would you come and bring the prophetic insights that change people's hearts? Would you come and bring salvation? 
Would we experience more of you and who you are? Would you come? Would you come, Holy Spirit? It's a call, it's a cry, it's a prayer for God in the person of the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in people's lives in every way. So when we say, come, Holy Spirit, that's the sort of, that's the heart behind that prayer. And at the start of 23, as we begin this three-week series, Come Holy Spirit, we really need to grasp the importance of the mercy of God. Grasp the need for our actions and our prayers to be born out of love and compassion and often desperation. In 2023, Jesus is inviting us all to expect and experience more and more healing to see more people set free, to see lives and families transformed, to see people saved and baptized and discipled, for the prophetic to be more active, more accurate as we practice, as we move forward together. But for us as a community and as a whole church family to see significant growth in those signs and wonders and miracles that we really believe that God is drawing us into this year. He's inviting us to have our hearts broken for people once again. Jesus saw the family and he wept. We want to be moved with a deeper and more personal love and compassion for people in the church and outside of the church, that we, like Maria, will be moved to act and pray as our first port of call. Not, we're going to hear a lot of difficult stories this year with people who are going through really difficult times. Um, and for our first reaction to be, Jesus, put it back together. Not, oh dear, that's a shame. You know, how are you? I mean, yes, we're going to obviously have nice conversations with people, but spiritually, our hearts to want to move and to invite the mercy and the grace of God into a situation. We want to be able to pray because we want to see people's pain and sickness, circumstances from the deepest parts of our soul cry, God, put them back together. So we're going to have a time of ministry together um, and we're going to pray about those things. Just bring that before the Lord. First, having our our hearts just molded that bit more by God's presence that we become more like Christ that we see the way he sees, that we react and act and move towards people the way that he does. And then we're going to pray in this room for those who are sick. The Holy Spirit is here. God is at his work. He doesn't stop. And we want to just be that family of God where we pray for those particularly who are unwell this morning in this space because we know he is here. 